Welcome to our Wednesday night study. We have been studying archaeology in the Bible, but as of last week, uh, we were requested to teach uh, a course on the seven universal laws of Noah. And uh, we ended last week with the study of uh, Hammurabi, which is a title, not a name. Hammurabi, the great exalted rabbi. And if you drop the article, it's backward. It spells Ibrahim, which is the uh, Arabic form of Abraham. So perhaps that Abraham was uh, Hammurabi. The Native Americans were misnamed Indians because Columbus thought he had found a new route to India. And uh, it's also interesting to note that Christopher Columbus was Jewish. And uh, he had to man his ship with prisoners. And they were people that had been imprisoned by Ferdinand and Isabella in the Inquisition for being Jewish. Uh, we find that uh, in a letter from uh, Christopher Columbus to his son, in each of the corners is the uh, contraction of Yudhe-Bavhe. And uh, he was Jewish. El Toros, the navigator, was Jewish. And many of the uh, sailors on Columbus ship stayed in this country. They didn't go back. And uh, so the uh, Native Americans had a Noahic moral code much higher than the missionaries who called the Indian savages and came here to convert them to Christianity. The Native American culture and religion was the most superb example of the preservation of the seven laws of Noah. First of all, the Native Americans believed in one great spirit, the creator of all things, who dwells in all creation, both organic and inorganic, both earthly and heavenly. So, the uh, Native Americans believe that a stone, a rock, is alive, and that God dwells in the rock. And, uh, Adair's History of the American Indians, written in 1735, shows the Hebraic and Judaic principles in their ceremonial customs, their ethnic and moral values, and their social conduct. The greatest weakness which led to their final demise was that they had no concept of lying or swearing falsely. They believed that white man's words were true. And that was their mistake. These beautiful primitive people did not even have a word for a lie. They simply said, white man speaks with a forked tongue referring back to the story of the serpent in the Garden of Eden. 
there even points out that the chanting of their ceremonial traditions and recitations of the Tetragrammaton, which is Yud Hey Vav Hey. Yehovah Hey. In various rhythms and meters shows the primitive knowledge of the Hebrew unpronounceable name of the God of Israel. However, they never pronounced all four letters together. They separated the incantation with Na or Me. This, according to the Jewish tradition, sanctifies the holy name and prevents blasphemy by naming the name in vain. These Native Americans not only observed the seven Noahide laws, they had a tradition of observance that were not given unto Israel and to Mount Sinai. I mean, these people were sort of the avant-garde of uh, Torah-observant people. From time immemorial, humankind is known good from evil. Conscience tells us what is right and what is wrong. The seven laws of Noah are instilled in human nature. Yet culture, ethnic, political, and economic, uh, national, and special religion can overshadow and cloud the seven Noahite laws instilled in each of us. Let's clear the fog and learn the simple seven laws of Noah. All seven laws of Noah are found in the first 11 chapters of Genesis. There was an article in the newspaper when we reestablished Bay and Noah in 1990 that this journalist said that the seven laws of Noah are found in the mission and they're not found in the Bible. She's mistaken because they are found in the Bible. Six were given to Adam and only the seventh was given to Noah. The first law is against blasphemy. Many people think that blasphemy is cursing using God's name in vain. That is profanity, but it's not blasphemy in the sense of the Noahite laws. Profanity reflects a person's lack of education and inability to express themselves properly. Profanity is vulgar speech, unbecoming, sacrilegious, and offensive <coughs> to cultured and educated God-conscious public. Blasphemy in the Noahide law is first. The articulation or enunciation of the unpronounceable name of God, Yud Hey Vav Hey, the pronunciation of that ineffable name is known only to a select few. Only they who know the name can transgress by blaspheming the holy name. If you don't know the holy name, how can you blaspheme it? The 72 incantations to those four letters. And uh, so it would be impossible for me or you to enunciate and articulate the uh, holy name 
according to the Talmud, however, to blaspheme God's name in any language is tenement to using the forbidden Hebrew pronunciation. In other words, you have uh, German, G-O-T-T, goat, in English, God, Arabic, Allah, uh, and all these, but to, in any language, it's blasphemy to uh, pronounce or to use God's name in any language. The second stage of blasphemy is to question the integrity or the authority of the Word of God. This only applies to the Torah and the five books of Moses called the Law when God is speaking. In Genesis 3.10, the snake said, Yay? Hath God said? The sneering word, Yay, is a word filled with scorn and skepticism. A cynical sneer in reproach to the authority of the word of God, what God has spoken. <coughs> one who is educated, cultured, or even religious, who never used an oath or profane word, yet one who is cynical and skeptical toward the validity of the authority of the Torah is a greater blasphemer than those who can convey profane cursing as a convoy of cursing sailors. The Hebrew word for yea is off key. <laughs> Ronnie and Thelma are here with us. And Ronnie can verify that music, no matter how beautiful the composition played or sung off key, is contemptible. Off key? That's what. The snake said, off key? The second stage of blasphemy is simply an attitude of disdain or discord toward the divine authority of the Torah. The third stage of blasphemy proceeds from the attitude to the action toward the Torah. This is the blatant denial of the validity of the Torah as a true word of God. In Genesis 3.3, the snake said, You will not surely die. That is to say, surely you don't take that the, uh, God's word literally. Blasphemers all allowed vouchsafe that the Bible cannot be taken literally. When I was in, uh, first went to seminary, I went to Southwestern Theological Seminary, and Ray Summers was criticizing anybody that would take the Bible literally. You cannot take the Bible literally. And, uh, he spoke of the, he called the fundamentalist, fundamentalist, and uh, with a real sneer. And he was amillennial, meaning that he did not believe there was a millennial reign. And one of the young ministers, I would say young, he's probably in his early 40s said Dr. Summers in the book of Revelation in five times it says he will rule and reign a thousand years and Dr. Summers came back and I can't believe that you've been in my 
class all these years, you cannot take the Bible literally. Surely, surely you don't accept that literally. Surely. He finally looked around and he said, surely nobody else in the room would take that literally. And I raised my hand. He said, yes, young man. I said, at least half a dozen times you use the word surely. And I hear echo all the way back to the Garden of Eden and said, you will not surely die. You don't take that literally, do you? At which I got about 30 amens and they began to clap. He got so angry that the veins were standing out on his neck and he said, Flash dismissed. <laughs> in other words, this is uh, the late Dr. David L. Cooper had uh, the golden rule of interpretation which states when the plain sense of the scripture makes common sense, seek no other sense. Therefore, take every word in its plain, ordinary, normal, usual meaning. Do not try to give a double or spiritual meaning, not expressly stated in the text. If one cannot take the written word as such, then he has no authority to say what is literal and what is not literal. Or what is spiritual. Those who tell us that the Bible cannot be taken in a literal sense and try to give another sense of meaning to the simple definition of the text is a, is a third stage of blasphemy. Anyone who says that the Torah or law has been abrogated, abolished, done away with, replaced, fulfilled by another agency, so that it is no longer in effect, is a blasphemer of the third degree. Furthermore, those who say that the Torah is only Jewish folklore and human humanistic philosophy are correspondently blasphemers. Promulgate that the Torah is a Jewish myth or forgery is blasphemy paramount. To observe the law against blasphemy, one must change the negative aspect to a positive by sanctifying and blessing the holy name of the Lord. We sanctify his name by not trying to pronounce it. The name yud heh vav -Hey, as Jehovah or Yahweh is uh, a simple way to use the word. We write L-capital-L-O-R-D or for the master of the universe. The people that say that yud heh vav -Hey is Jehovah have a problem. There's no J in the Hebrew alphabet. Those who refer to him as Yahweh have the same problem because there's no W in the Hebrew alphabet. I had a... Yeah, I need a cough drop. Thank you. I thought I had one out here. In prayer, we address him as Adonai, not as Hashem. 
when we're talking about him, we use Hashem, the name. When we're talking to him, we use the word Adonai, meaning my master. Or Adonainu, meaning our, <coughs> our master. <coughs> we address him as Adonai, as a nominative of address, as a master of the universe. We also bless his name by prayer, added directly to him without any intermediary or mediator. The blessing of Hashem for food, for health, for all the good things, we sanctify his name. We can sanctify his his name by writing G, capital G, dash, capital D, rather than G-O-D, or uppercase L dash R-D, rather than God or Lord spelled out in full. In our publications, we try to write the holy name accordingly. Men took them wives 
doesn't mean their wife, it means somebody else's wife. That there was a total decadence in moral conduct. Legalized, promiscuous sexual conduct slithers an entire society down into decadence, violence, and wickedness. We have witnessed this in our American society since Lyndon Johnson's great society in the early 1960s. God was expelled. from the public educational system by the single effort of an atheist, Madeline Murray O'Hare. It was later revealed that the USSR had financed Mrs. O'Hare and God was expelled from our educational system. He was soon expelled from our entire politically correct society. The thing I would like to ask is, uh, where is she today? She disappeared. Ronnie? I think they finally found her. They found her? I believe I remember that they found her. The world's better off without her. I'll add her to my list of names that I think God are dead, that they're dead.
that atones for murder is the execution of the murderer. If a murderer is executed, then that atones for his sin. Nothing else short of capital punishment. We had a young man in prison in Oklahoma that had killed several people when he was on narcotics. He was high. And he wrote us and said, do not pray for my waiver of the death sentence. I murdered these people. I want to pay for my sin by my life being taken. So he had a the point. The seventh law of Noah and this is the only one that was given to Noah is against eating the limb of a living animal. Only after the flood was man permitted, not only permitted, but commanded to eat meat. Thus, vegetarianism is a violation of the seventh law of Noah. God commanded man to eat meat. He didn't say, I permit you to. He commanded that I have given you all flesh. What does it mean, all flesh? Does that include hogs and shrimp? Huh? I think it does. <laughs> it does. No, it does. Good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My wife's family were so ill affected by eating so much pork that I quit eating pork in 1962. And when I told Rabbi Schwartz, who was doing the Holocaust offer with they know of, he said, You've got to eat pork at least twice a year. At least twice a year. Or otherwise you're going to set a sample that no eyes cannot eat pork. <coughs> he said, we're forbidden to eat pork <coughs> as a Jewish people. But he said, a hog there's many places in the world, especially in Siberia, where the only meat available is pork. And a hog does not give milk, legs, or bare fur. So it's only one thing God created it for, and that was to be eaten. <laughs> and uh, there's a story about in, uh, in Tsarist Russia, when they went to war, they would subscript all the Jews and put them in spearhead division. And they didn't have anything to eat but pork. So they requested the rabbi, what are we going to do? He said, first of all, what they said before you eat it and don't ask any questions. But don't suck the bones. <laughs> it's also true in the, in the Torah. If, a, if an Israeli went to war outside his country, that he can eat anything, even the neck of a pig. But I don't know how they know that the neck of the pig is the best part of it. <laughs> but when he returns to the land, he has observed Kashrut laws. So outside the land, a soldier went to war to eat anything. 
all flesh clean for the Noahide, for the non-Jew. Every time I sat down to a good mess, sausage, bacon, eggs, I say, thank God, I'm a Noahide. <laughs> so, in, uh, in summary, the, the uh, seven Noahide laws have been seen throughout history. First of all, 3,760 before the common era or the year one, Adam was given six of the seven laws. 5,757 are BCE or 1651 in the Jewish calendar. Noah was uh, took the six Adam Adamic laws and then the seventh was added to that. Jerome in the fourth or fifth century CE said that the Noahides are greater enemies of the gospel than the Jews. It's interesting to note it that the Noahites were greater enemies of the gospel than the Jews, and they still are. And it, it's really, since they found the uh, ossuary containing the bones of Jesus, we even made it more uh, enemies of the gospel. People. By the way, that show's going to be again, on again on uh, June the 2nd, about the ossuary, finding the ossuary with the, the holding the bones of Mary and Joseph and Jesus and his wife, Mary Magdalena, and their son, Yehuda. It'll be run again, so don't miss it. What channel do you recall? History or? History channel. Jokovich. Uh, the new furniture gym second. June second, that's Saturday. The second. June Saturday. June second is Saturday. And then Heim Solomon in seventeen seventy six drew the national seal and the wrote the first draft of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And uh, in this, he sent forth the seven laws of Noah. That the seven laws of Noah and the national seal that was originally written in Hebrew around the bottom said uh, and all Israel stood up as one man and the numeric value of that Hebrew phrase is 1776 and uh, then uh, I'm Solomon Finance the army of George Washington in the American Revolution. Put over 600,000 British sterling in, uh, in Washington's disposal. And then he took Washington and Adams and Jefferson and Franklin to France and got the French to write a letter to Lafayette to turn on turn over all the arms 
in Quebec uh, to Washington. So, Haim Solomon's really the founder of the United States of America. He was the true founder. The First Continental Congress passed that uh, that debt of 600,000 British sterling was to be repaid, but it never was. And Haim Solomon died penniless after financing the American Revolution. From 1875 to 1949, there was that Catholic priest named Jimmy Polari, who wrote the book, The Unknown Sanctuary. And in that book, he sets forth the seven laws of Noah. As he had studied with Rabbi Inman, uh, and he wanted to leave the Catholic Church and just become a Noah, but Inman insisted that he stay in the church and propagate the seven laws of Noah from within. And then in 1985 and 86, Ronald Reagan wrote a declaration that the precepts of the judicial system of the United States is based on the seven laws of Noah. And then in 1990 or 1991, the Joint House, Congress, and Senate made the resolution stating that the seven laws of Noah were the foundation of our judicial system. Then, April 30th, 1990, we had the first uh, meeting in the convention center in Fort Worth to reestablish B'nai Noach under the authority of the Chief Rabbinate of Israel. So, that takes us from Adam in the Garden of Eden to Fort Worth in the Coliseum. <laughs> and uh, then the United States Congress on January the 4th, 1991, issued their decree. And uh, in 2003, there was a Manino uh, conference in India that uh, had over 3,000 Noahides. And what's amazing, when we reestablished by Noah in 1990, it exploded. Groups in Scandinavia, known as the Tents of Shem, declared themselves Noahides. Reverend, Reverend Ralph Mount, number many, almost 90 years old when the, uh, we reestablished B'nai Noah had been a missionary for the Sudan Interior Missions and he went back to Africa and converted all of those churches he established to B'nai Noah congregations. There was uh, Sol Bonet An Israeli company does a lot of work in Nigeria, and one of the ministers told his foreman, said, we passed a, a law Sunday that we don't want any more missionaries. Every missionary that comes here has a different theology and more confusion. <laughs> 
We don't want any more missionaries. <clears throat> we're going to start in the book of Genesis. And we're going to start studying the Hebrew Bible. So as Foreman contacted <coughs> Rabbi Eliyahu, and they sent a rabbi to Nigeria to develop the B'nai Nawak movement. Then in uh, a couple of years ago, the Druze, the Druze people, the Druze are the descendants of Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. And they're the ones that built Solomon's temple. The strangers that were not of the people of Israel. And the Druze declared themselves to be B'nai Noach. They always have been. But they made the declaration, we are Noahites. And uh, the... Uh, Groups sprang up in Australia, the Solomon Islands, South Africa, uh, just all over. This once we reestablished Benay Noah, it just uh, like an explosion. They have it happened everywhere, and uh, all of these I had no contact with. What me? It was Hashem that brought the explosion of uh, the Noahide, the explosion of the Noahide movement. Do we have any questions yet? No questions? Well, thank you very much. In Judaism, they say that the degree of a rabbi's ability to teach is determined by the number of questions his students ask. Seven uh, laws 
give them no heights. In fact, they sound similar. The Noahide laws in some aspects are distinctly different from the Ten Commandments. The Torah, or the Greek word Pentateuch, called the Five Books of Moses, is a complete Word of God. Its truth, its truths unfold like the petals of a rose until it compasses the entire Tanakh, the prophets, and the holy writings of the Jewish Scripture. <coughs> Christians are quite familiar with the term, the phrase, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But there is a Jewish meaning to this statement. The Torah became flesh and dwelt among us, personified in seven men. They were Adam, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Those are the seven men that personified the Torah. And this is Genesis. Think about it. From Adam through the life of Joseph, his seven men that uh, personified the Torah. The book of Genesis alone contains and conceals every rudiment revelation that was given to the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and Joseph. It contains sort of tucked away and hidden all that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. Even more, Genesis contained all in the prophets and the holy writings. This is to say the, thir the first 50 chapters of the Jewish scripture contains a seed particles that sprout and grow into the entire Tanakh, or 24 books of the Jewish scripture which in the English is 39 books. The patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants were Noahites under the Noahite covenant. Under the Hebrews of the, the Jacob clan were separated from the other 70 nations in Mount Sinai. This separation of Am Israel people of Israel, from Ameha Olam, the people of the world, did not negate the Israelites from remaining Noahites and subject to the seven laws of the first covenant. The Mosaic covenant did not replace the Noahite covenant. The Sinai covenant was given in tandem to the Arak covenant. Sinai did not replace Arab. No high laws were unrestricted and universal. No Jewish person is exempt or bypassed from observing the seven Noahite laws. They are the foundation for the Sinai code. Do you have a question, Ronnie? When you refer to Ararat, is that the same as the Noahide, uh, yeah, Mount, Mount Ararat, yeah, or Uretu. So it's just a sort of synonym for the Noahide. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting that when David Pasol found Noah's Ark, it was not on Mount Ararat. It was 17 miles east. But it does not say Mount Ararat. It says the mountains, plural, of Aretu. And that's where David's soul found Noah's Ark. And I think that the finding of Noah's Ark was without doubt far greater than King Tut's tomb or anything else.
because the uh, I was there in 1985 when uh, Tom Fitter from the Geological International Geological Survey did ground penetrating radar. And what was amazing, these rooms next to the center of the arc were small. But as he went toward the pointed end of the arc, they got larger and larger and larger. But the cubic displacement of each of those cubicles was exactly the same. And uh, there was a, a hole to the bottom of the arc because the arc was made out of reeds. It did not depend on the buoyancy of the ship. The reed, it was a reed boat. And the uh, had the hole in the bottom that measured the same measurement as the window in the top. So that when the arc went down, water came up inside the arc and exhaled. And when the water went down, it inhaled. The arc actually breathed, changed air over 90 times in an hour. And it also gave a place for the refuge of the animals to go through the uh, this hole in the bottom of the arc would carry away the refuge of the animals. And, uh, where the seven laws of Israel are universal, inversely the 613 commandments to the opposite side are not, not at all universal. They, for the most part, are emphatically restricted to Israel. These judicial Sinai decrees are in general directed only to the people of Israel. The exception is, is when we see a commandment by man, Adam, or Ish, which also means man. If any man of you it, these usually is applied to the non-Jew, such as if any man will bring a sacrifice, or if a man had taken a wife and married her, Deuteronomy 24. Find all of these commandments that connect to the Noahide laws are. or where the word man or ish is used, relate to one of the seven laws of the Noah. I've got two minutes and I'm finished. Any questions? Ronnie, you have anything you can add? We've got a couple of minutes. Uh, no, this, this has been a wonderful review for me. I've uh, been a long time since I've been through this. I thank you. Well, We've been through it a few times together, haven't we? A few times. Thelma has proofread my manuscript on Daniel, and we've been laboring trying to translate my Texas English to uh, something that can be digestible by everyone. She's doing a great job on it. But uh, it's great to have you guys tonight. It's been great to be with you. We invite you to be with us Sunday evening, Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock for our tour study. And also want to remind you about the tour we're doing in November. If you'd like information on the tour, we'd be glad to send it to you. It's on our website, isn't it, Nita? Check our website for the itinerary. It's going to be a fantastic, a fantastic uh, 
experience. Yoshi Miyamon showed me over 40 places that I was not aware of. And that has a... Okay. We'll meet with you Sunday. God bless you.